<laughs> it was actually with really, really great intentionality uh, that Arthur performed that song that he just did, um, because arguably, if you, if you knew Arthur, the greatest war, the greatest battle that he has had to face in, in his life is the one going on up here, the one between his ears, that, that battle that takes place in our minds, that those internal conversations of, of self-worth and, and fighting anxiety and fighting depression and because so many people have rejected me in my life, what does the world think of me? What, what do people think of me? Uh, see, today, as we've already alluded to, we're, we're kicking off a brand new four-part series titled Mastermind because I'm really convinced, we are really convinced that if you can change your thinking, you can change your life. And specifically, we're going to be looking into the mind of a guy that went by the name of Paul. Paul, who was on the front line spreading the name of Jesus in the first century. Paul, who wrote better than half of the second half of the Bible that we call the New Testament. Paul, who went from full-blown Jesus hater, who had early on in his life decided to make it his life's mission to make sure that Christianity did not make it out of the first century, and he was getting it done. He was going around and he was arresting and killing and persecuting Christians. But then through an event that only God could have possibly orchestrated, his life pulls a complete 180. And now he's on the front line spreading the name of Jesus with more zeal, with more urgency than arguably anyone who has ever walked the face of the earth. And what we're going to see here over these four weeks is that Paul, perhaps more than anything else, was a master of his thinking. He was a master of his thoughts. But what we're also going to see that this wasn't just always the case for Paul, that this was a struggle, that this was in a lot of ways a lifelong journey. In fact, in one of the letters that Paul wrote to the early Christian church in Rome, he has these words, again, his words, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. These don't really sound like words, right, of a guy that's mastered his mind, a guy that's mastered his thoughts. But, but I show you this because it reveals to us that Paul wasn't perfect, that, that having this ability to control his mind, having this ability to control his thoughts was not something that he was just born with. Just like every person in this room, not one of us were just born with that. This is encouraging to me because there are times where I wonder, and I'm not going to throw you under the bus, I'll throw myself under the bus, where I wonder to myself, what in the heck is wrong with me? Where I'm looking at myself in the mirror going, Shay, seriously, what is wrong with you? It gives me hope that like Paul, through Christ, I can master my thoughts, I can master my mind. I want to pause real quick and just acknowledge all of you that decided to come walking through our doors here today. Uh, we really are so thankful that you decided to make Grumlaw a part of your week. Uh, we all know that even as an adult, it can be pretty intimidating to step into a new place. It can even be downright scary. And so it's for that reason that we definitely don't take it for granted that you decided to come walking through our doors. Honestly, thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up here today. It's also our hope and our prayer that this won't just be a one-time experience for you that you'll come back at least three or four times, that we think it takes at least a couple of times for you to really get an accurate feel of everything that we're all about here. And then at the end of those three or four weeks, at that point, kind of make that decision, okay, is this a place that, that I want to continue to make a part of my weekly rhythm? Is this something that I want to continue to explore? Now, for others of you, uh, you've been showing up here maybe for quite a while, and perhaps, and I don't think I'm dreaming this up, maybe you have wondered how we decide what we're going to talk about here on Sunday mornings. Like, like how, how do we come up with these topics that we discuss here on Sunday? So for the next couple of minutes, I'm going to kind of dive into and give you a bit of a glimpse into my mind, 
I know, a little bit scary, uh, and reveal kind of some of our secrets. So here's some exciting stuff. Basically, all of these series, basically all of these topics that we discuss here on Sunday mornings are born out of one of two questions. The first one being this. What do we need to teach this church? What, what do we need to teach the, this gathering of people? When I say a church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about a gathering. I'm talking about assembly. I'm talking about this group of people. What do we need to teach all of you? Uh, honestly, what do you not know? And honestly, you don't even know that you don't know those things. You're just kind of ignorant. You truly don't know any better. But if you're going to truly follow Jesus, this is some really, really important stuff to understand. So we probably ought to talk about it here on Sunday mornings. And then number two, the second question is what needs do people keep bringing up unsolicited? And I throw that word unsolicited in there because what I've figured out, and you've probably figured this out as well, is that Christians often have an agenda. By the way, if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, this is absolutely one of these things that you should be pointing the finger at Christians for because we are so guilty of this. Christians are notorious for saying things like, my fill in the blank really needs to hear this. My wife, I mean, oh my goodness, she really needs to hear this. My mother-in-law... She really needs to hear this. My boss, if there is a way that I could trick him into listening to this, he really needs this. My coworker, my friend, my fill in the blank really, really needs to he hear this. There's some topic that you really want to see addressed on a Sunday morning because somebody else, definitely not you, somebody else definitely needs to hear it. For, for instance, one of the examples of this is people will often approach me and they'll say, hey, we really need to do a series on politics. Now, I'm not saying that we're ever not going to do a series on politics. In fact, leading up to this 2020 election, we probably will talk about that from stage, but we're not going to talk about it because it was born out of you telling me that we really needed to because somebody else really needs to hear it. Because usually, in this specific realm, that is coming from somebody that either sits on the far left or they sit on the far right, and what they want is their pastor to set the record straight so that the people on the other end of the spectrum will finally get their act together which is kind of humorous in and of itself because you never even ask me where I fall politically. You just assume that in your mind, your pastor must think exactly the way that you think. But, but come on, when you think about it, convictions born out of he or she really, really needs to hear this rarely go well. You have all probably had some work function or some family function blow up in your face because somebody really, really needed to hear this. And so what I do instead is I try to keep my ear to the ground for unsolicited needs that seem to surface over and over and over again. And arguably, and I'm not just saying this for hyperbole or because it sounds nice, arguably the need, the hurt, the topic that I hear more than anything else are words like anxiety and depression and loneliness and worry and panic and nervousness and uncertainty a battle that is being waged up here, a battle that is being waged in our minds. And, and we're doing this series because I hear this from everyone. Young, high schoolers, old, married, single, black, white, rich, poor, at literally every point along the spectrum of humanity. We literally hear it from everyone. And fortunately for us, and this is, I think, at least fortunate for us, this isn't something unique to our present day. 
This isn't some 21st century American problem. This has been something that has been apparently plaguing humanity since the beginning of time. And we can fortunately look for a lot of wisdom on this particular subject within the pages of this book that we call the Bible. And as we've already alluded to, specifically to the life of this guy that went by the name of Paul. Now, I recognize that not everybody sitting here today would identify as a Jesus follower, that you all wouldn't call yourselves Christians. In fact, we are so glad that you are here. You can belong here long before you believe. You can belong here long before you embrace everything that we talk about here on Sunday mornings. But if that's you, the Bible, I get this, it might not hold a whole lot of weight at this point in your life. But, but we, th- those of us that do call ourselves Jesus followers, we believe that the words within the pages of the Bible are inspired by God, written by men, that to provide in a lot of ways a sort of a roadmap for how we ought to best live our lives. Be- be- because God, and some of you, you really, really need to hear this, God truly has your best interest in mind. See, the Bible isn't just this do's and don'ts. It's not just this long list of rules. No, it's God's way of providing to us and saying to us, if you would just live this way, your life would be so much better. Not just in my eyes, but in everyone's eyes, including your own. Now, if you're still skeptical of this, and again, if you're new to Christianity, why wouldn't you be? One of the great things about this book called the Bible is that we are given all these stories of real men and real women, people that really walked the face of the earth, backed up by loads of other historical documents who have lived their lives without God in their lives, and then life with God very much at the center. Paul being a very prime example of this. And so what this allows you to do is kind of live vicariously through these people. It allows you to wade in and decide for yourself if this is something worth exploring. And so it's in that vein that I want to invite you in here for these next four weeks to at least listen and observe. And then at the end of these four weeks, you decide for yourself, is this something that I want to continue to investigate? Is this something worth continuing to explore? Is this a place that I want to continue to make a part of my weekly rhythm? But before we go any further, uh, I would love to pray for all of you and pray for myself. So allow me to do that now. God, we thank you that you are a God that is so for us that we really don't have to even doubt that at all. We need to look no further than the cross and uh, see what you did for every single one of us when you sent your one and your only son to die for us. We thank you for just, again, loving us so, so well. I pray whatever it is that you're trying to speak to us today, uh, that we'd be willing to listen, uh, that this would be a church that, again, is marked by our our doing, not just by our listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Here's one of the things that that Paul, uh, this guy that we're going to be honing in on, knew all too well as he attempted to master his mind. The life you have The life you have, for better or for worse, is a reflection of the thoughts you think. Let's read this one time like culty chanty together, okay? The life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. Now, now, by the way, this is not just a Christian thing. This is an every person on the face of the earth thing. Which is why Paul probably said in his early letter to the Christian church in Corinth, again, I breezed by that just a little bit ago, Paul wrote better than half of the New Testament. And when Paul wrote better than half the New Testament, it was through a series of letters to these early churches that he helped to start. One of these churches was in an area called Corinth, and hence it's titled Corinthians. And here's what Paul has to say there in the 10th chapter. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, we capture every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
Because this is what the enemy does. He builds arguments, he builds pretensions one lie at a time. You can't trust them. You're never gonna be able to succeed. You'll always be broke. You're never gonna amount to anything. They'll never accept you. I mean, just think about it logically. God could not possibly love you. You're too far gone. If people knew the real you, if they knew your past, you know that they'd go heading for the hills. And over these next four weeks, we're gonna learn to recognize every thought that is not from God and we'll capture it, we'll take it captive, making it obedient to Christ. And this is so, so important that we learn how to do this because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Come on, y'all. If you want to change your life, then you need to change your thinking. But as we're going to see here in the life of Paul, and, and likely as your life has already demonstrated to you, it's not as easy as just flipping a switch. This is one of those areas that apart from a daily dependence on Jesus, you aren't ever accomplishing this on your own accord. Long term, you're never going to figure this out through your own abilities. And chances are, many of you who are sitting here today, you've already figured that out. In fact, I know that for some of you who are sitting here today, it's your inability to master your mind that led you to come walking through our doors in the first place. And you figured, shoot, if I can't seem to figure this out on my own, then if there is a God out there, and you're still trying to figure out that part, but if there is a God out there, then maybe he will help me out. There's another book that we find in the Old Testament, kind of the first half of the Bible, titled Proverbs. And Proverbs is filled with just kind of this practical wisdom for everyday living. You don't need to be a Christian for this stuff to be true that it talks about in Proverbs. One of the things that it says in the 23rd chapter is, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think, so you become. So if you're a person that's constantly cycling around in your head that you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you probably won't. But if through Christ you believe to believe that you can, that you can absolutely come up with these things, that you can absolutely through Christ move past it, then you probably will. If you're a person that's constantly dwelling on problems and the weight of those problems just is like, oh my gosh, it's so heavy, they will overwhelm you. But if through Christ you begin to look for solutions, you will begin to see some and you'll be able to walk in those solutions. If you're a person that's always playing the role of the victim, I'm the victim, woe is me, I can't believe this has happened again, look how my, terrible my life is, whoa, 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 you keep saying that over and over and over again, you're eventually going to become one. But if through Christ you believe that you can overcome anything you will, you can. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. It's a battle between, don't miss this, it's a battle between God's truth to you and Satan's lies about you. And so a quick exercise, a quick thought audit, if you will. Where are your thoughts taking you? On a scale of one to five, do you find yourself being more of a worried person or a peaceful person? Again, you don't have to admit this out loud to anybody else, but be honest with you. Are you a person that regularly wakes up in the middle of the night and starts thinking about how are we going to pay for and what are we going to do about? Or do you tend to lean into the peace that only God can provide and recognize that he is in control? Do you tend to be more of a negative person or a positive person? Glass half empty or glass half full? Did you walk into a room and immediately start seeing the faults in everybody else? 
Or do you see the positive in other people? Do you tend to be more worldly or eternal? Is consumerism something that drives you, getting the nicest, getting the newest, getting more of? Or do you tend to be more of a person that focuses on the millions upon billions of years that are going to follow after this blip on the radar that we call our time on earth? You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. What comes into your mind, for better or for worse, comes out in your life. And so I pose a question to you. Are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you? Uh, allow me to give you a very, very practical, perhaps too vulnerable example of this. Uh, this past Sunday, exactly a week ago, we had a guest speaker here. Uh, his name was Scott Crownover, and Scott Crownover is the pastor of a church down in Ann Arbor called The Green Room, one of the churches that was instrumental. Heck yeah, we can clap for him. Uh, that was instrumental to, to getting us off the ground. And uh, if you were here last week, you experienced this. Scott is like an obnoxiously talented communicator. Right? I mean, he's like really good. Like, I mean, he's the kind of guy you just listen to him. You're like, I would do whatever in the heck that guy says, right? I mean, he just has this humility and this graciousness that goes before him that you're just like, I want more of whatever that guy has in my life. And in fact, the week following, he spoke here now three times. I, I, I can predict it. All week, I have heard nothing but praise for Scott. And that's a good thing. People are like, that guy is so good. He's such a talented communicator. That message just like so spoke to me. I remember after the first time that he spoke, there's a guy that attends this church. He came up to me and he was saying this tongue in cheek, but he was kind of like speaking to how great of a communicator is. He's like, if that guy started a cult, I'd join. Right? He's like, that guy is just like really, really good. But, but here's what the evil one does for me. And again, I, I'm just being very, very vulnerable. He, he begins to pry on this insecurity that I have. And, and he starts to speak these lies. He, he starts whispering in my ear. And again, I'm telling you, it happened this week. He's like, you hear that? He's really good. Shay, you're kind of terrible. And you're laughing. I'm serious. This is like a real battle going in my mind. Like, Shay, you suck. Shay, you, you better crush it this week. You better do better than you've ever done because people are going to recognize you for who you are. You're a fraud. They have now seen what great communication looks like. So you better do better than you have ever done before. Otherwise, people are going to leave. That They're going to be out of here. They're all going to move to Ann Arbor and join that cult like they are done. Which then fills in, feeds into this anxiety, these pressure-filled Tuesday mornings. And again, I'm telling you, it happened this week where I'm sitting there on Tuesdays when I write these messages for the upcoming Sunday. And I'm like, oh my gosh, and I'm overthinking every detail. And I'm trying to come up with, okay, how do I make this better? How do I convince people of this? Rather than allowing God to speak through me. Which, by the way, is playing perfectly into Satan's hand because there ain't a thing floating around up here that is worth passing along to all of you. And so what I want to do today is point to two principles that are going to provide a foundation for the rest of this series. The first one being this, identify the number one stronghold that is holding you back. Now, now stronghold isn't really a word that we use too much probably in our everyday speak, but, but it refers to a prisoner locked up by deception. What, what's the lie what, what is the deception that the enemy is using you to keep you from living the life that God has for you? What, what's that lie that keeps circulating around in your brain that is holding you back, that, that's keeping you from living the most purpose-filled, joy-filled life? I'm never going to be good enough. My, my past is too checkered. Look at what he did to me. I, I can't trust anyone. I'm always going to be two steps behind. I'm never going to have a family. The list goes on and on and on and on. Identify that stronghold. 
identify that lie. That this is so, so important because when we feed into this lie, our brain is literally redesigning itself around that thought. There, there is literally, and this is just science, there is literally a chemical makeup that changes in your brain. Every thought creates this neurochemical change in our bodies. That this happens for the negative as well as for the positive. When you think something positive, your body literally gets a hit of a chemical called dopamine. It's not an accident that you feel so good in those moments. That when you post that picture on Instagram and you're just waiting on that, that, that one specific person to hit the like button and then they finally tap that like, you feel good because you just got a hit of dopamine. That when you get all dressed up and you're going out with your friends and you're waiting on that compliment for just that one person, they finally give it to you, you feel good because you just got a hit of dopamine. That when you get that raise, you get a shot of dopamine and so it feels good. And the more that you think a thought, whether it's negative or positive, the easier it is for you to think that thought again because you are literally creating neural pathways. It's why if you think the thought, same thought enough times, it literally ends up becoming the default thought. It's why it's so easy for you to return to that space again and again and again. And so if we are going to change our thinking, we have to change the paths that our thoughts are traveling down. So, so maybe you're a person, you're sitting here today, and, and you've always struggled with your weight. And, and there's this lie that the enemy keeps cheap chirping in your ear. You're always going to be fat. You're always going to be overweight. You're always going to give in to those urges. You're never going to be able to figure this out. You've tried before. Don't even try again. You have to literally stop in those moments. Capture Take captive, as Paul says, a different thought and begin to form a new pathway. You have to choose something different, even if you don't totally believe it in that moment. My daughter, this past Christmas, uh, she was three years old, and for the first time in her life, she got her hands on a remote control car. Uh, one of her cousins, you know, got a remote control car. She'd never seen one before, and she was just like enthralled that you could press buttons and this like little thing would obey you, right? But what's kind of interesting when like a two, three, four-year-old drives a remote control car, they seemingly have no ability to drive forward and backwards and also steer at the same time. So, so I watched for like 30 minutes as my, my daughter traveled around my brother's house where she would drive it in a straight line, it would run into a chair, and then she'd go and pivot it and turn it a different direction. Then she'd drive it into the table, pick it up, turn it. She was following it around like a cat and mouse all over the room. Every time it ran into something, she'd pick it up, and then she'd set it forward on a new course. This is exactly what you have to do with your thoughts. You have to take them captive. You have to grab them and choose a new pathway. And here's what's so great about this. If you choose a new path and you choose to continue chasing down and running down that path, it only gets easier. Many of the, the people that are in, in this crowd uh, are deer hunters. I'm an avid deer hunter. And one of the things that, that's really interesting about deer is that you can go into the middle of the patch of woods, even in the summer, those spring months, when all the foliage has risen up. I mean, there's grass and there's trees and there's bushes. And you can look around and you can tell very clearly which trail deer are consistently traveling down. They will consistently choose that path of least resistance and all their buddies will follow right behind them. I'll take my kids for walks in the spring and the summer, and without any instruction whatsoever, I'll say, let's go for a walk in the woods. And wouldn't you know it, my children are walking ahead of me at a pretty fast pace, walking right down a deer trail. And I never said to them, say, hey, look, you see this path right here? You need to go down that right there. No, they just know to travel that path of least resistance. 
And again, this is what happens to us when we choose that same thought over and over and over again. It only gets more clear. It only gets easier. And in the same way, when we deny that lie, what happens with an old deer trail? The grass grows. Trees fall over it. Eventually, you don't even recognize it as an option. You know that when you're lonely, when you're tired, when you're bored, when nobody's around, that that's a trigger that you keep making that stupid decision to look at pornography. And it's in those moments that you have to stop and capture. You have to literally take captive and go another route. You have to choose a new pathway. It's in those moments where you need to pick up the phone and keep calling that friend over and over and over again, no matter how humiliating, no matter how embarrassing it may seem, and just say, hey, I need somebody to talk to. Because if I keep choosing this other path, I'm going to keep finding myself at the same destination. I had a buddy that that was his story. For years, he struggled with a pornography addiction. And he's like, you know what finally changed it for me? In those moments where I was lonely, when I kept feeling like, okay, this is the urge, he's like, I literally started getting in my car and driving around aimlessly. I was really blowing through the gas budget, but it helped. It worked. I had to choose a different pathway. Maybe for some of you ladies, it's when you're bored and you're tired and you're lonely. Your propensity is to reach into your pocket and you pull out your phone and you'll find yourself for literally hours. And I've witnessed it. Hours scrolling through social media, which then feeds into that comparison game. Their life is so much better. She's so much prettier. And it's in those moments that you have to stop take captive, capture, and choose a different route. I know this is going to be like the churchiest suggestion of all time, but how about in those moments, rather than clicking on Instagram, rather than clicking on Snapchat, in those moments, you decide instead to actually download that YouVersion app, that free Bible app, and begin rather to read in there and allow God's truth to begin to permeate your life. Paul says again in his letter to the early church in Rome, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. You could say it this way, stop cruising down the world's pathways, but instead let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Again, through Paul's own admission, through his own life experience, he's saying you're not going to be able to figure this out on your own long term. You're not going to be able to figure this out through your own abilities. This is one of those things that you are going to have to rely on God. Yeah, you might be able to get it right for a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months, but long term, there's no chance you're going to figure this out unless you are relying on God. And so come on, whether you're Christian or not, identify that predominant stronghold that is holding you back, name it. You cannot defeat what you do not define. So number one, identify the number one stronghold that's holding you back. And then number two, name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. My wife and I up till very recently, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we've always had two like, young women that have been living with us, Kat and Lisa. They lived with us for a couple of years, and uh, I would sometimes have fun with them, let's just say, at their expense. Uh, this happened a couple of months ago where, where Lisa was walking up to the front door, and like, her arms were like, full of things, and, and, and I made eye contact with her through the kitchen, and so like, I saw that she was coming. She saw that I was home, and, and so I rushed over to the front door, and I pretended that I locked the deadbolt. And her hands are, are really, really full, right? And so she's like pleading with me from outside the door, Shay, unlock the door. Shay, come on, just unlock the door. And then I'm doing this whole like 12-year-old routine where I'm like, what? I can't hear you. 
What exactly do you want again? And my wife's in the kitchen as well, starting to plead too. She's like, Shay, just unlock the door. Stop messing with Lisa. And so I finally, after this goes on for a couple minutes, I blurt out to Lisa, Lisa, the door's unlocked. I never locked it. And she's like, are you freaking kidding me? And she just walks right in. So many of you who are sitting here today, you're in a prison. And the only lock on the door is a lie. Identify the lie identify the stronghold, and then name the truth that demolishes it. Again, Paul's words, he says, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to to strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He goes, the resources of heaven are waiting for you at your disposal. We take captive, we declare, that is not from God, so I will refuse to believe it. That this is what my God, this is what my creator, he who loves me so much that he sent his one and his only son to die for me. This is what he says, so that I will choose to believe. And the more I choose that path, the more I'll believe it, the more I'll transform, the more he will renew, the more he will change me. This church uh, is a little bit over two years old and uh, we just celebrate our two year anniversary. And it's crazy what God has done in a relatively short uh, amount of time, but it's really, really easy for me to go back in, in my mind to that place where about a year before our launch, so you know, about 2017, where you know, God's starting to put this, this urge where he's starting to tell my wife and I, gosh, we're supposed to start a church. And it's so easy for me to think back to some of those whispers that the evil one was, was chirping in my ear. These, these, these things that he was just trying to press his thumb on. You didn't go to seminary. There are too many mistakes. Shay, come on, you, you can't lead a church. You're like the most impatient person on the face of the earth. Too many bad habits. I remember this one over and over and over again. Shay, you're not good enough. And you know what? He's right. <laughs> I, I'm not good enough. I, I'm in no position to lead this church even a little. But there was a certain truth that I would go back to that I would cling to. We find it in the book of Hebrews. The writer says, so let us come boldly, not meekly, not, not with our tail between our legs. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. It's only with Christ working through me, less of me and a whole lot more of him. Demolish those lies with the truth that comes from God. You see, these lies, they have so much power and Satan, he's so stinking clever about this because there actually is a bit of truth that's buried in there. I'm not good enough. My past is checkered. That there are things that that I still wish that, man, I still struggle with on a daily basis. But through Christ, all things are possible. You are weak. You are inadequate. You do fall short. But you, through Christ, can accomplish anything. All things are possible through Christ who strengthens you. On your own, you better believe it. You're in trouble. But with Christ, watch out. And the more I choose to walk in that pathway, the more his truth becomes clear. And the less that I even see that stronghold, the less I even see that lie, his truth ends up becoming the default. Your life 
is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What, what comes into your mind, for better or for worse, comes out in your life. Church, I, I am begging you, do not choose to stay locked in a prison when Jesus has already opened the door. So we have to capture those thoughts. And over these next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about very practically how we take a hold of these lies and we replace them with truth. Now, this is the point of the message where I was originally going to kind of end because like this series is like supposed to be like this first week is really just kind of the big introduction. And then it's like, all right, come back for the following weeks. But like, I just couldn't handle myself. I wanted to give you at least like one practical tip to walk away with here today. All right. And so what I want you to do real quick, and I promise I'll get off the stage. Everybody pull out their phones. Seriously, pull out your phones. If you have a flip phone, actually, you can keep that in your pocket. Not going to be very much help to you at all. All right. A lot of you have already downloaded this, but if you have not, will you please download this app? Again, there's no like royalties involved with this. I will not make a nickel. In fact, this, this, this app is 100% free. Will you download the YouVersion app? Uh, all this app is is basically the Bible on your phone. And here's one of the things I am going to beg you to choose to do. In the morning, when your alarm goes off, when your head comes flying off that pillow, well, the first thing that you do after you hit snooze, actually stop hitting snooze because that's wasting time too. After you turn off your alarm, Every single day on this app, there will be a daily verse. Will you choose to read that truth every single morning? For, for the next four weeks throughout this series, rather than instead going to social media, rather than scrolling over to the news and finding out, will you choose to read just that daily verse? This will take you all of 30 seconds. But don't just read it and it's like in one ear and out the other. Actually, like, read it. Actually think about, okay, what are the implications for my life? And you guys, I am telling you, especially for those of you that have never developed this daily habit of reading God's word, this, this 30 seconds I'm telling you will have profound, profound implications and a huge impact on your life. Because what you'll find is throughout the day, you'll go back and you'll keep returning to that thought. You'll keep returning to that truth. Rather than, than listening to the noise of the world, start your day by reading just one truth from God. Even if you're new to Christianity, even if you're sitting here like, I don't even know if I believe in this whole God thing yet, that's okay. You can still give this a whirl. Now I'm going to take this a little step further. Most of us, when we wake up, right, we, we turn the alarm off and then we start scrolling on something. And I have a sneaking suspicion that for most of us, it's either the news, like Bleacher Report or Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, or a combination of all of the above. Will you just reject that stuff first thing in the morning? Be because I doubt there's been a day of your life where you've started scrolling through that stuff and you're like, wow, my day is going to be so much better now. Right? Like at best, it's like neutral ground. You'll find time throughout the rest of the day to jump on those apps. Will you just reject it first thing in the morning? And the only thing you do in the morning is turn off the alarm and just read this truth. Just one very, very practical tip. I'm telling you again, if you've never done this, if you've never infiltrated your life with just a truth first thing in the morning, it will have an effect on your life. And then make sure you keep coming back here for the rest of this series as we continue to explore how do we become a master of our minds? How do we become a master of our thoughts? Because your life, whether you want to believe it or not, is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts.